Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good afternoon. So lovely to see you. Welcome. Uh, let me add my welcome. Welcome to Gas Street. Um, if you were here last week, you, uh, you would have heard Ali Herbert speak here at Central and kick off uh, a series that we're just beginning looking at the Holy Spirit, uh, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you were here last week, you'll know Ali did uh, a brilliant job of giving us an overview, an introduction to that series. If you missed it, do go to our YouTube channel and you can watch it back because it really does sort of lay the foundation of this series that we're wanting to, uh, wanting to do over the next few weeks. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to focus in on different aspects of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And it might be that you're here uh, and you have been a Christian for like millions of years, not quite millions, but a long time. Uh, and you've read like every book there is on the Holy Spirit. You've listened to every talk, every podcast. Uh, and, and my prayer for you today is that you would experience, you would encounter the Holy Spirit in a new and a fresh way. Because you know, with the Holy Spirit, there is always more. There is always more to learn. There is always more to encounter with the Holy Spirit. It might be that you are new around here. Maybe, uh, maybe this is all kind of new for you. Maybe you're here for the very first time. You've been brought here by a friend. And may maybe you've like, you managed to get your head around uh, God the Father uh, and, and God the Son, Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit, that, that maybe just feels a little bit more of a mystery. And my prayer for you is that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Maybe even for the very first time. And so this week... Uh, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and identity. We're going to be looking at Holy, the Holy Spirit and identity. And so I've given a, a title to this talk. It's up on the screen. The title of the message today is You Are Loved. Because if there is one thing, if there's one thing that you take away from the message today, it is this, You Are Loved. You are loved. And in preparing this talk, I read a really beautiful book written by a friend of mine called Johnny Gumbel, and it's simply titled Loved. And right at the very end of the book, in fact, in the very last paragraph, Johnny tells this story, this story about how when his youngest daughter, Etty, was born, one of their elder children, one of the older children, decided to write little Etty a story. And the story went like this. Once upon a time, there was Etty and she was loved. And Johnny described it at the end of the book as the most perfect story that he'd ever come across. And you know, that is the story that the Holy Spirit is wanting to write across the pages of your life. Once upon a time, there was Rachel and she was loved. 
Once upon a time, there was Tebo and he was loved. Once upon a time, there was Cookie and she was loved. I don't know all of you by name, so I can't do it for all of you, but know this. That is the message that the Holy Spirit is wanting to write across the pages of your heart, even today, even today. And so we're going to open our Bibles up to the book of Romans. If you've got a Bible, open it up. The words are going to appear on the screen. The book of Romans, it kind of goes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And we're in chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. I'm going to read it for us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Paul, the Apostle Paul is the writer of Romans. We talk about it as the book of Romans, but actually it's a letter, a letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome, hence Romans. And one of the things that Paul is conveying in this amazing letter. He's wanting to convey to this new church, these new Christians, that one of the main things that the Holy Spirit loves to do, He loves to testify to our spirit about our primary identity, about our primary identity. The Holy Spirit longs to convince our spirits about the truth of our God-given identity. In fact, the message paraphrase version of these verses verses has it like this. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. And that's what identity is all about. Identity is all about who we are, who we really are. Identity is about how we define ourselves. Identity is about our values. It's about our choices. It's about the way we experience the world around us. And when we think about identity, so often we think about it in terms of all the different facets in our lives that make up who we are. Maybe we we think about a list like this. Maybe our age, our stage of life, our gender, our race, our upbringing, maybe, our marital status, our sexuality, maybe our job or our profession, maybe qualifications that we have, maybe our class, maybe our education, maybe, maybe our salary bracket, maybe, maybe our level of attractiveness as deemed by the world around us, maybe our level of physical strength, maybe a title that we have, uh, maybe our IQ, or maybe our political persuasion, and so the list goes on. And you know what? Loads of those things make up who we are. We are a combination of many of those things that I've just listed. But you know what? So often... We either, 
we either consciously and deliberately or, or maybe subconsciously and subtly, we decide what we want our primary identity to be from that list. And we influence how we want the world primarily to see us and to define us. Maybe just think for a moment about how most of the rest of the world sees you or defines you. Here's another way to, to think about it. What, what's one of the first things you choose to mention about yourself in conversation with somebody that you've never met? What is it that you want them to know about you above everything else when you're in conversation with somebody new that you've not met before? What is the thing that, that you want them to see and know about you like quite early on in the conversation? It might signpost us to the things that challenge our primary identity. Now, unsurprisingly, the God who made us, the God who in Psalm 139 tells us that, that we are knitted together in our mother's womb. It's unsurprising that our God is extremely interested in our sense of identity. More than that, God is extremely interested in where we place or how we define our primary sense of identity because it will affect every single area of our lives. In the Gospels, there's a, a moment that may well be familiar to you. It's the moment when Jesus is baptized. In Matthew 3, 16, it says this, at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. You know, here is the amazingly good news. The Holy Spirit wants to make real to us the same experience that Jesus had. The Holy Spirit wants to make it real to us, not just leave it as some abstract concept that we have to get our heads around. No, the Holy Spirit wants to make what happened to Jesus a real and tangible experience for us, just like Jesus had. So that, that when we come into God's presence, when we experience the Holy Spirit, it's like God the Father through the Holy Spirit is saying to us, this is my son, this is my daughter with him I'm well pleased, whom I love. I miss the really important bits. This is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love. With him, with her, I am well pleased. Romans 5, 5 says, His love is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You want to experience God's love? You need to get to know the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants to send the Holy Spirit to us even today, even right now, so that we would know in the deepest part of who we are that our primary identity is loved. It's loved. You know, that's why it says the Spirit of God testifies to our spirit. It doesn't say the Spirit of God testifies to our minds. It says to our spirit, because God wants us to know in the very deepest part of who we are, the very core of who we are, that our primary identity should be and needs to be loved. 
loved. That's your primary identity. That's who God wants you to be above everything else, above everything else, above every other definition or label or title that you might put on yourself, above every experience, past, present or future, positive or negative, above every success, above every failure, above every accolade you may have received or every disapproval you may have been on the receiving end of. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that above all of that, you are loved. You are a beloved child of God. And if, if, the, philosoph- if the philosopher Descartes famously claimed, I think, therefore I am, then the counterclaim of the Holy Spirit is this, I am loved, therefore I am. You know, it's interesting as we're looking at the book of Romans, if we open up this letter to the Romans right at the very beginning, we'll see this greeting. You know, Paul has written a number of the letters that we find in the New Testament and every letter always starts with a greeting. And the greeting to the Romans, you know, you know how it goes? You know how Paul starts his greeting to the Romans? He says this, to all in Rome who are loved by God. That's how he chooses to define them. He could have described them in so many other ways, but no, Paul uses that as his starting point to the people in Rome, to all in Rome who are loved by God. That's how he chooses to define them. That's how he chooses to to label them that we may do the same, that we may know the same, that that would be our starting point to all at Gas Street who are loved by God. There's three things that we need to know, that we really need to know about the love of God. Three things that the Holy Spirit helps us experience and know about God's love. Number one, God's love is unconditional. You know what's significant about that moment at Jesus' baptism when the voice from heaven speaks over Jesus, when God the Father speaks that declaration of love over Jesus, this is my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. You know, the significant thing about it amongst lots of other significant things is that Jesus hasn't done anything at that point. He hasn't performed the miracle. He hasn't given a sermon. He's potentially made some furniture, which is awesome but he hasn't really begun his ministry at that point. And it's right at the beginning that God the Father chooses to speak this amazing declaration of unconditional love over Jesus. You know, it's a bit like like a parent holding a little baby, a baby who at that point has only kind of pooed and weed and cried. And yet this parent is able to hold the baby in their arms and look at them and just say, wow, I love you. I'm so pleased with you just for the very fact that the baby exists. And that's the nature of God's unconditional love for us. That's the nature of the declaration that God wants to speak over us by His Holy Spirit. It's delight. 
It's pure delight. He takes great delight in me. He takes great delight in you. And by His grace, His love is not conditional on anything that we can try and do to prove our worthiness of His love. He just wants to pour it out because He made us, because we're His children. Now, God's love is unconditional, but God's love is also powerful. It's a powerful love. It's not kind of a a soppy, weak, kind of needy kind of a love. It's a powerful love. Romans 8 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You know, anyone, anyone in the room who has said yes to following Jesus, you will know that there was a point at which you acknowledged, you recognized that without Jesus, you were in slavery to sin. I know that was true for me. I may not have chosen to use those words, but there was a point of recognition. The moment when I chose to put my faith in Jesus, the moment when I chose to to open myself up to receive God's love, there was a moment of recognition that without Jesus, I was stuck in slavery to sin. Again, I wouldn't have used those words. Instead, I I wouldn't have necessarily described it as slavery to sin, but I might have described it like this. I I would have said, you know what? I am just at the end of myself. I, I might have said, you know, there's an emptiness in me. There's an emptiness in me that that nothing else can seem to to fill even the best things that the world can offer. It's just there, this emptiness. I I might've said, you know, I am done trying to do life on my own terms. I I would have said, I'm just sick. I'm sick of this endless cycle of sin and mess and shame that just keeps going round and round and round in my life. I recognized that what I needed, I was in desperate need to to be saved. I needed to be rescued. But more than that, I recognised that God's love was powerful enough to save me. I recognised that God's love was powerful enough to rescue me. In John 3.16, famously says, For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. I recognised that God's power to save me by His love was because of Jesus. It was all about Jesus. It was because of what Jesus did for me. It's because Jesus died on the cross for me instead of me in my place that He took on Himself as He died on that cross, all the rubbish, all of it, all the mess, all the sin, all the shame. He took it on Himself, all that stuff that separated me from a holy God. And because then Jesus rose from the dead, He conquered death. And that meant that the slavery to sin that I was experiencing was broken. It was broken once and for all. That forgiveness and freedom and life and transformation and healing could be possible. God's love is powerful. You know, God's love is powerful enough to heal. It's powerful enough to heal. It might be that that you're here and you've got a broken heart. You're sitting here broken hearted. Your heart feels like it's in a million pieces. The good news for you today is that God can heal your broken heart by His love through His Spirit. 
is powerful enough to love. God's love is powerful, but God's love is also personal. God's love is personal. It says again in Romans 8, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Little caveat here. Now we could do an entire talk series unpacking what it means to be adopted by God, adopted as God's children. And so anything that I say in the next few minutes, it's just not gonna be adequate enough. It's just not going to do justice. It's not gonna convey how utterly stunning and breathtaking it is that God has adopted us as His children. Now God's love, God's love is, is powerful. Yes, it's powerful enough to save us, but God goes further than that. He goes further than that because God's love is also personal, personal enough to adopt us. Powerful enough to save us, personal enough to adopt us. Now Tim and I, we have five kids and one of our children uh, is adopted and she is a just gorgeous little girl. She is utterly delicious, I have to say, like almost edible. She's just amazing. And, you know, it, it, used to be, it used to be the case with adoption, and some of you will have personal experience of this. It used to be the case with adoption that adoption was this secret that was to be kept, you know, that, that in, in a child knowing about their adoption, it might cause hurt or, or damage. And therefore, the best thing to do was to keep adoption secret. And yet, in reality, it's potentially the secrecy of the adoption has caused more hurt and perhaps more shame. You know, I, as an adoptive parent myself, I, I am certainly not naive to the complexities and the sensitivities that there are around adoption. And, and I'm not naive to the fact that our little girl will have to, at points in her life, process the reality of what it means for her to be adopted. But let me tell you that her adoption is not this secret. Her adoption is something that we celebrate. It's something that we celebrate because we were chosen for her and she was chosen for us. And we think that is worth celebrating. Yeah, you know, God's love for us is so personal that he would choose to adopt you as his beloved child, not in secrecy, but for the, all the world to see. He chose to adopt you. And you know what else? God is the perfect parent. I don't know what your experience of your own parents might have been. On a scale of like bad, maybe even abusive, neglectful, hurtful parent to, you know what, my parents like did a great job. Humanly speaking, they did, they did a really great job. I don't know where your parents sat on that scale, but God is the perfect parent. You know, his love is so personal towards us that he wants to parent us. He wants to father us. He wants to mother us. 
Now, I am, I am not a perfect parent myself. My children and Tim will testify to that fact. I am not a perfect parent, but, but there's this thing that I, I used to do, I was reminded of as I was preparing this, particularly when they were younger. I would go and pick them up from school every day. Actually, not every day. I didn't send them to school on Saturday and Sunday, just Monday to Friday. And I would go and pick them up from school and I'd wait in the playground with all the other parents and we'd wait for like the teacher to open the door uh, and to sort of send out the children one by one. And I'd be waiting there on the playground. I'd be looking to see if I could see their little face peeking through the door. And then they'd finally come out of the door and, and begin to walk over to me and they'd look a little bit scruffy, you know, and they'd, and they'd look a bit weary and, and, and a bit hungry and they'd be sort of dragging behind them this like heavy bag that just was way too big for them. And then even though I am not a perfect parent, instinctively, I just wanted to do three things. I would, I would crouch down, I would crouch down and I would just take that heavy bag off their shoulder and I'd put it on my own back. And then I'd reach into my pocket and I'd grab the snack that I'd brought with me, highly nutritious, obviously. And I'd, I'd give it to them because I could see that they were hungry, they just needed a bit of sustenance. And then, and then this was my favourite bit, I would just wrap my arms right around them and I would whisper into their ear, it is so good to see you. It is so good to see you. I missed you today. How was your day? How was your day? Come with me. You tell me everything about your day, the good, the bad. I want to hear it all. You know, that's, that's what God is wanting to do for us. That's what God is wanting to do through the Holy Spirit. That's how He wants to pour His love into our hearts. Incidentally, a couple of my children are now teenagers. And if I turned up at the school gates and did that, they would never speak to me again. But that's what God wants to do for us through His Holy Spirit. He, he, he wants to say, I, I see you're carrying that heavy bag. Let me take it off your shoulder, that bag of, of sin and shame. Let me take it. Let me take it off your shoulder. And I can see that, that you're weary, you're tired, you're lacking in sustenance. Let me feed you. Let me give you spiritual food that will really nourish you. And you know what? I am so, so happy to be in your presence. I wanna be in your company. I wanna hear everything. Tell me, tell me everything that you're feeling. How was your day? Tell me, I want to hear all the good bits, but I want to hear all the bad. Don't, don't hide anything from me. Don't filter yourself for me. I want it all and I want to be with you. That's what God does. That's how we can experience His love by the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know whether you're on Instagram. I confess that I am. And you know, instead, apparently they're listening to you, aren't they? That's what I've been told. They're listening. And so you're, it's kind of weird, isn't it? How your Insta feed, like the stuff that comes up on your Insta feed is sort of weirdly a reflection of what's going on in your life. And it can be quite horrifying, actually, what comes up on the feed. And I get on my feed, my Instagram feed, loads of stuff around parenting. You know, it's like Instagram is sort of sending me this subtle message, like, could do better. Here we go. Here's another thing about how to be a better parent. Uh, and I, I came across one of these many little parenting clips. And 
This parenting expert, actually everybody's a parenting expert on Instagram, that's the other thing. And this parenting expert was saying, to be a good parent, you need two things. You need to be two things. You need to be kind and you need to be firm. You need to be kind and you need to be firm. It's no good as a parent just being firm without being kind. But it's no good being kind without at times being firm. And you know, that's what God's love is like for us. God's love is so kind. It is so kind. If you've not experienced the kindness of God's love, again, my prayer for you today is that by the Holy Spirit, you would know the kindness of His love. But God's love is also firm. It's firm. And this Instagram parenting expert said, you know, that the way the way that we're firm as parents is by setting boundaries for our children. And, and how we uphold those boundaries is really important that we set those boundaries, but we don't uphold them with like terror and shame. We uphold those boundaries with kindness and consistency. And that is how God loves us. That's what His love is like. It's because God loves us that He gives us these boundaries that are laid out in His Word, within which that we can love, within which we can live and flourish. Romans 8, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, the Holy Spirit is longing to testify to our spirit that we are saved rescued, adopted, beloved children of God because he knows that it is the ultimate pathway to human flourishing. You you want the best life possible. You, You want to live the most meaningful life, the most free life. Then place your primary identity in God's hands. Set the trajectory of your primary identity towards the love of God. And I promise you, it is the key to human flourishing. Not happiness necessarily, but deep joy, deep peace, knowing that we're loved, a freedom that comes from knowing that we are beloved children. And yes, a lot of happiness too. You know, the Holy Spirit is longing to testify with our spirit that we are children of God. Because when, when we make that our primary identity, everything changes. Everything changes. God, God wants us to know our primary identity as beloved children of God so much that sometimes in His kindness, He will challenge those things within us that try to sort of fight for that place of primary identity. You know, the last time I spoke at Gas Street Central, I'd just been at the Alpha Weekend. We had an amazing time at the Alpha Weekend for those that were there. And, uh, it, but it was all a bit of a rush because I had the Alpha Weekend and then I was, I was needing to race to church on the Sunday uh, to speak. Uh, and I can remember sort of getting up, trying to get ready quickly. And just at the last minute, I realized that I'd left my makeup bag at the Alpha Weekend. Now, some of you will be totally unmoved by that. But for others of you, if you know, you know. 
And, and so it was literally like 9.25 and no makeup bag. And I was going to preach at 9.30. That's how organized I am. And so I managed to find this old lipstick at the back of the drawer, you know the one. And I nicked some mascara off Ali Herbert and sort of threw it on my face. And then I got up and I preached all day at Gas Street with, with only the tiniest little scrap of makeup on my face. And actually, my sister, who'd watched a little clip on Instagram, she said to me, had you been swimming before church that morning? Which I thought was quite offensive. Of course I hadn't been swimming before church, as if in what life would I be swimming before church? But that's, that's a reflection on, on perhaps what I look like. I seem to remember Tebo being very kind about it. I think, I can't remember. Always. And... Anyway, at the end of the day, I sat down and sort of had a little moment with the Lord and, and I realized I'd found it really hard. Honestly, I'd found it really hard having to stand up in front of all of you lot with only a little bit of lipstick and Ali Herbert's mascara on my face. And I had a little conversation with God and I felt the Holy Spirit say, should we, should we talk about that, Rach? <laughs> you know, how about we have a little conversation about why you found it so hard. How about we talk about where your primary identity is sitting, Rach? And it was so kind. I mean, I've got makeup on today. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> one day, one day. But, but in his kindness, he wants to challenge anything that takes his place. I want to finish with this, and then we're going to pray. You know, in Ephesians 5.18, it, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But actually, a better translation, something to do with the verbs and the tenses, a better translation would be, go on being filled. So it might be you're here and you're like, you know what? I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1989 and it was wonderful. But I've got the t-shirt, I've been there. I don't need to be filled again. Thank you very much. No, Paul is saying, no, go on being filled. Go on allowing the Holy Spirit to testify to your spirit that you are a child of God. And the reason that we are implored, encouraged to keep allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us again and again with the knowledge and the experience that we are beloved children of God is because the enemy, we have an enemy and the enemy will keep whispering any opportunity he has, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve his love. But you know what else? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to keep filling us, to keep reminding us, testifying, convincing us that we are beloved children of God because the world, the culture around us will shout constantly, you don't need it. You don't need the love of God. It doesn't even exist. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to keep filling us, to keep testifying to our spirit that we are beloved children of God because our flesh our own desire will scream at us, you don't want it. You don't want the love of God. You can rely on yourself, self-love, self-love, that's all you need. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to keep on filling us, testifying to our spirit that we are beloved children because you know what? there are gonna be experiences that will contest and undermine 
the love that God is wanting to pour into our lives. And I know that there are people in this room and you have experienced stuff. You have had words spoken over you that have done just that. It's almost like, it feels like they've created this barrier to you receiving in your spirit, the love of God. I was chatting to a friend this week and she was telling me how her son, teenage son, had come home from school and he was just in floods of tears. She could see he'd been like holding it together all the way back home. And and then the moment came, was in that safe space, he's just floods of tears. And she said, what's going on? And he said, I've just had the worst day. And what transpired is that some kid had put this note in his pocket and the note said, you're skinny, you're ugly and no one likes you. I know this kid, he is awesome. Like I wanted to march down to that school. There are gonna be experiences that we faced and I'm telling you that we will face that will try to undermine what the Spirit is wanting to do within us, to convince us, to testify to us that we are beloved, no matter what the world says, no matter what the enemy tries to lie to us, no matter even what is within us, the Holy Spirit wants to come and pour in that love that we might be resilient to the storms of life. You know, knowing that we are beloved children of God, it gives us that resilience to face and to weather the storms of life. After Jesus' baptism, after that amazing declaration of love, you're my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. You know what happened? He went straight into the wilderness. It's like that, the knowledge of the Father's love was the, the thing that kept him going, the bedrock. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would do just that. And I, I really do end with this. I, it occurred to me as I was preparing this, you know, you know John, the, the disciple John who wrote the book of John, clues in the name. He, um, I don't know if you've noticed, if, you read, if you haven't read the book of John, do yourself a favour, read the book of John. And he, he never refers to himself as John. He always refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And to be honest, I've always found that kind of annoying. Like he's being a bit cocky, like he thinks he's kind of above all the other disciples. And actually, as I've prepared this, I've had like a fresh revelation of what John's getting at. It's like John's trying to tell us, I know where my primarily, my primary identity is found. I wanna shout it from the rooftops. I don't wanna be defined in any other way. I am a beloved, beloved disciple. And I want everyone to know it. You know, here's John who's had proximity to Jesus and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It allows us to have proximity to Jesus even more than John did. And, and, and I thought, you know what? What if, what if I change my email signature? So at the end of my email, instead of saying Rachel Hughes, I think it says something like senior pastor of Gastreet. What if it just said Rachel Hughes, the disciple who Jesus loved? And I said to Tim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. And he was like, oh, please don't. That's so embarrassing. 
So that, that was that idea. But as we, one day, but as we stand to pray, I want to ask you, is there any part of you, is there any part of you that just can't fully embrace that title that John boldly, audaciously gives himself? I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. Is there anything that is in contesting you knowing, you knowing his love? Why don't we stand together? Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come. Just, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit and um, you, you just, like, this isn't something that I can do. That's, that's the really annoying thing about getting up here and preaching a word is, is I can't, I, I, can, I can try and persuade you and, you know, convince you, but it's, it's a work of the Spirit. That's why we're doing this series. It has to be a work of the Spirit. And that's why we create space like this. Because it's Him, it's Him at work testifying to our spirits. And so come Holy Spirit. You might want to close your eyes if that helps you just to kind of, you know, shut other things out that might be distracting. You might want to put, I sometimes put my hands out like this because it's a gift that we receive. Again, you know, you might have been coming to gastro. It's like, why do they put their hands out? Because the Holy Spirit is often described as a gift. And how do you receive a gift? You put your hands out. And so it's just, again, it's not, it's not like essential, but it's a way of saying, it's a, it's a way of communicating to God beyond our words. God, I want to receive it. I want to receive your love. So come, Holy Spirit, come, come. Just allow God to meet with you. Spirit of God, would you testify now? to each person here in, the, in our spirit, our deepest place of who we are, that we are beloved children. Please, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. And in a moment, I'm going to invite people to, to respond if they want to. But just, just as we're receiving, if, again, just stay, stay in that place of receiving. We don't need to rush off. But I do want to just give an opportunity to anyone who's here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't said yes to following Jesus, or maybe you did ages and ages and ages ago and, and actually you found yourself back at church and, and you're like, I, I don't actually know Jesus anymore. I want to give you an opportunity to, to say yes to Jesus, to start following Him to make His love your primary identity. And so these words are up on the screen. And I want to give you a chance just to pray those words. You just pray them in your heart. As we speak them out, I'm going to speak them out loud. You can speak them out loud if you want or in the quietness of your heart. But this is your moment. This is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the love and the life that He's wanting to pour into your life. So thank you, God for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know I've made mistakes and now I ask for your total forgiveness. 
I turn away from everything I know is wrong. Today I choose to put my faith in You and say yes to following You. Please come into my life and fill me with Your Holy Spirit now. Amen. And just if people got their eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer again for the first time or maybe the first time in a very long time, I just wanna ask you to put a hand in the air. If you prayed that prayer, just so that I can catch your eye. It's a way of, of you being able to know, yeah, I did that today. And I'll thank you. I'll just catch your eye. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The team are gonna come round and hand out just a little bag that's got some stuff in it that is gonna help you on that journey. Anyone, anyone else in this section? Just, that's it, anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we, we're going to respond now. And I want to invite anyone forward. And you, you know, it's, it's this simple. You know, for whatever reason, that you, you need to experience the love of God today. That you need the Holy Spirit to testify to your spirit that you are a beloved child of God. And, and no one's going to interview you. We're just, you're just going to come forward to the front. And somebody's just going to pray that prayer, that exact prayer. Holy Spirit, come and testify to this person that they are a beloved child of God. And, and it might be that you know there's been stuff in your life that has kind of contested knowing that love. Stuff that's got in the way. Whether choices you've made or stuff that's been done to you. And you just know, whether, you, whether you've never experienced whether you... This is, like, this is like the thousandth time, it doesn't matter. But if that's you, could I invite you now just to begin to come forward? It might be that you were somebody that stuck your hand in the air to say yes to Jesus. Well, this is like a best next step that you could take. Just come, begin to come forward and we would love to pray for you. And as I said, somebody will just come and place a hand on your shoulder and just pray that the love of God would fill you. That always takes a couple of brave people and then come forward if that's you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.